Good evening, everyone. My name is John Day here, and this is um, John. This is I'm here with the weekday with your weekday news on the weekday bugle, and today we're going to talk about um, our um, government's rejection of the Polish proposal to transfer MiG twenty um, MIG twenty nine planes to Ukraine, and the Pentagon calls the move high risk. So. The um, Ukrainians have been um, requesting that um, we send fighter jets over to Ukraine to help them fight the Russians. So, um, the planes they're using right now are old Soviet era planes, and these planes, let me see. Yeah, and these are um, better Soviet jets. Yeah, these are um, old Soviet jets that we are offering to send the Ukrainians. Poland would be offered. They would offer um, these um, MIG-29s in exchange for used U.S. fighter jets, which would be far more effective in fighting the Russians than the Soviet jets. And all this will be doing is offering them our fighter jets, which, I mean, I kind of see the issue because they're American-made jets. So this would um, technically put us at war with um, Russia over sending the Ukrainians these materials. But... You know, it doesn't make much of it to me. It doesn't make much of a difference. It doesn't make much sense whatsoever because we're sending our um us and our allies. We're sending the Ukrainians um missiles and guns and all kinds of other things. And we even, there's even civilians that are actually taken off to go fight the Russians and help the well not well, some of them are fighting the Russians, but most of them are just helping the Ukrainians with humanitarian aid. So technically, you know, if we're offering these missiles and these guns and other materials to the Ukrainians and aiding them in the conflict against Russia in a kind of a proxy war, then we're already involved, so the pen, therefore the Pentagon should not be worried about getting into a war with Russia if we're just simply handing the Poles um, our used fighter jets that we don't use anymore. And, you know, if we handed them these fighter jets, they, they could fight off and they would, be, they would be Polish pilots flying an American-made machine, Right? So I mean, you know that I mean this would be useful to the poll to 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 the um, Ukrainians because of course we're we're gonna give they're exchanging us old Soviet fighter jets for our American-made fighter jets that we don't use anymore, and they're gonna hand them over to the Ukrainians so they can use them to fight and haul them over the, over the border and um, giving them the Ukrainian military and whatnot and other civilians who may be a, who might have flying experience to fight the, the, the Russians. And I mean, I think it's a great idea. I don't, I mean, it may be high risk. It might be risky. But again, we're already taking the risk by even by simply helping the Ukrainians. I mean, it's fine if we give them our support, our love and support and our thoughts and prayers here at home. But we're already sending uh, material over to the Ukrainians and we're arming them with guns and javelin missiles and, um, and other missiles that we're offering them. I can't, remember the other, I can't remember the name of the other one. 
We're sending them missiles. Our allies are pitching and sending them supplies and um, weapons and missiles. Then why can't we send, why can't, why aren't we offering to trade with the Poles for them to trade us old Soviet fighter jets that aren't really worth anything these days? They're worth a lot of money, but they're not really effective these days. That's why they're trading these old fighter jets so that way we, they can get these um, used um, American fighter jets so that way we can give them to, so that way they can give them to the Ukrainians in, in a joint effort to try and help out Ukraine, fight the Russians. And this would be a very effective um, way of helping the Ukrainians win and, and defend their homeland. It'd be a great idea because, you know, if the Biden administration doesn't want to do a no-fly zone, then I think giving giving the Poles these fighter jets of ours, giving them um, the fighter jets, if they think that we can't do a fly of no-fly zone, you know, if they say we shouldn't do that because it'll spark World War Three, then now they're doing the same thing, saying, you know, we'll be sparking World War Three if we give the Poles these fighter jets because the Russians will see that as trying to help the Ukrainians, which is true. Because yes, we will. Because yes, these will go to the Ukrainians in the end. But again, these are American-made American-made um, products. Which I'm guessing that's why the, the Pentagon is worried about it. Which it's ridiculous. It's utterly ridiculous because we're already sending American-made weapons to the Ukrainians. We're sending aid. We're sending materials that they're going to need to help fight the Russians. We're sending them ammo. We're doing all kinds of stuff already. We're sending them missiles, money. So, like, what more American product? I mean, we've already crossed the red line already. We're already sending them. We're already in a proxy war against the Russians. We just don't have any men over there fighting. We're just sending, a, we're just sitting over here offering the Ukrainian supplies to fight the Russians. And this will be even better if we offer our jets to the Poles so they can take them to the Ukrainians and then we could help the Ukrainians potentially win this, um, invasion, win this situation and protect their homeland. And we could get this whole situation with Russia over and we can further d deter Putin from invading other countries because he will see that if he can't, ta if I can't take Ukraine, then I can't take any place else. Or at least I'll, I'll leave Ukraine for now and we'll go ahead and do some other country later on. And once we um, get our situation straight with the military, because evidently they ain't got the military power or the confidence to try and take Ukraine. Because... Their military was straight up lied to by their leaders in Moscow, um, preaching total BS to the people to the, in the military, saying, oh, the Ukrainians are going to welcome us as liberators and saviors. They're going to see us as fellow slabs, and we're, we're helping each other out, help a brother out, right? We're going to go into Kiev and kill all the Nazis that are running the government. There were no Nazis in the government. There are no Nazis that are running the government in Kiev, as Vladimir Putin likes to suggest. There's no Nazis hanging out in Kiev, okay? Maybe in the Azov battalion in the Ukraine, in a part of the military, in a integrated battalion of the Ukrainian military, maybe there, sure. But, but despite these bigoted views of some of these battalions, that some of these far-right organizations that may have been integrated in the Ukrainian military, they need all the help they can get from anybody. Really, anyone who's willing to support the Ukrainians and fight against the Russians, and that's a great idea. We need to help them out. We need to help them the best we can. Now, if Putin was using the whole de if, if now Putin is using the whole denazification narrative to try and justify the invasion, I'm like, dude, it only has like a little pinch of salt grain of truth to it. 
I'm like, but that's not hardly anything. That's not that's not that's not even close to justifying the invasion. Cause this should not have happened. This is absolutely ridiculous. It's bonkers. And this needs to stop. And this is getting even it's getting on an even worse scale because I heard today that he bought that his army bombed and targeted a um, children's hospital in Ukraine that got bombed and shelled and 12 pe I think I read 12 people got injured something like that they shelled a children's hospital in in Ukraine the Russians did that and like I said about a week ago almost they bombed Babi Yar which was a, um, a Holocaust memorial site to over 30,000 dead Jews and that were murdered by the Nazis. And like I said, I pointed out Putin's hypocrisy in that episode. You guys can go back and listen to it. But you can, I highlighted Putin, Vladimir Putin's hypocrisy about his, about his justification for the invasion of Ukraine. I pointed that out for you all. For the world to see. To see how much of a hypocrite this guy is. And see how much, all the bogus stuff that he's pushing up. Uh, uh, for the world to see. And I put it all out. I put this out in the light for you all to see. And then, furthermore, he's manipulating his soldiers into thinking that, oh, don't worry, the Ukrainians will welcome you like heroes. They're not going to shoot you. You'll be okay. And they get into Ukraine, and they get in, and they and surely they get a wall of resistance, a real stiff wall of resistance that will not crumble. And Zelensky has made that clear. They will not surrender. And it's and it's clear. Though I can still, I can say this: they're running out of time because the Russians are eventually. Because believe it or not, despite all, despite how long this has taken, the Russians, even though the Ukrainians are holding their own for pretty well, they're holding off real good. But the Russians are. I think, unfortunately, in my theory, I know I'm being a little pessimistic about this, but I think the Russians will eventually close in on Kiev, and they may. Now, theory, now, people on the news have been drawing little maps and all that stuff of what Putin probably wants. And they carved out an old map, a partial map of the old of the former Soviet Union, of the um, western border of the Soviet Union. And they had this version where they actually split Ukraine in half in, right there in, at Kiev on the Dnieper. So, many theorize that Vladimir Putin is just going to try and eat up the eastern part of Ukraine and just totally gobble it up and leave the west for later. And he'll try and eat that later. But then he's going to try and climb into Latvia, Estonia, and Lithuania and try and eat all that up. And eventually, once he calms down, once he calms everyone down in Russia and gets his situation under control, then he's going to come back and try and eat Poland, probably. And maybe stop there. I don't think he'd go into Germany. I don't think so. But once he eat, once he goes... But the real dangers here... Or if he goes into Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia. If he goes into there, or Poland for a matter of fact, he goes into there, um, then he's going to be in some real trouble. Because that's the, that's NATO territory. And as all of our NATO allies and Joe said, now despite me, cannot I cannot stand, as you all know how I speak about Joe Biden, I cannot stand this guy. Period. End of story. But as he said, that's his policy. It, and that's not just his part of policy, that's America's policy to the Article 5 commitment in NATO. An attack on one NATO country is an attack on all of us. So, should Vladimir Putin decide to be defiant and go into Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania, or Poland, perhaps, then he's going to face the full might of NATO militarily, and it's going to be on. It's World War III, it's, it's game, it's, it's on, and 
we've already heard threat numerous times of Russia threatening to launch nukes should they should NATO do and you know try and push the Russians out of Ukraine or try and stop an inv- a potential Russian invasion of NATO itself and take China take over NATO countries until they get back to their former Soviet border and try and take all that back which I think that's ultimately what Putin has in his mind now while his plan might succeed he's going to be facing stiff resistance in these countries because he's going to launch a, he, he's he's already launched a huge guerrilla war he's already triggered a huge guerrilla war going on in Ukraine right now and this is going to this will not stop while he may shut down the Ukrainian government and try and put them in a slammer and kill them all or they, the Ukrainian government might flee and go into government in exile and Putin might take over the capital, but he's not going to take Western Ukraine because the government might hide there. Or they might set up shop in Poland or wherever else and do that. And then maybe he might take all of Ukraine and maybe they'll... But while he has them occupied, there's going to be, without a doubt, there's going to be a resistance. Just like the French resistance during World War II against the Fuhrer, against the Germans. And just like many other resistance um, pockets that were in were during uh, existed during World War II, they fought relentlessly to stop the Nazis. And the same will happen here with the Russians. There will be a lot of resistance going on, and you know, showing the incompetence of the Russian military. Not, not. I'm not saying they're not strong or anything, but they've been. They've most of their most of their little young conscripts. And in some cases, they look like they have teenagers that are fighting. In the, some of the photos that I've seen, I've seen some teenage-looking kids, some teenage-looking people fighting in the, um, in the Russian army who have been captured by the Ukrainians. And I'm like, is Russia sending kids to go fight these guys? And I'm like, this is ridiculous. This is kind of inhumane. This, is yet, uh, this seems to be yet another humanitarian violation. Another crime against humanity. And they keep perpetrating these crimes. And should NATO get our, should we part, should we get our way and NATO wins and pushes Russia back into Russia? Then I think Vladimir Putin will ultimately pay the price for what he's done, what he's ordered. And many of his high-ranking officials, if they don't do anything like this, and yes, I'm going to quote Lindsey Graham here, someone in Russia needs to go ahead and take Putin out for good. And yes, and when I say this, I will. I I'm, I I unapologetically say that I do not care about any critics that will try and criticize me on that issue because this crap needs to stop now. Someone needs to stand up to this guy. And if and if we're not going to go ahead and intervene militarily, if NATO won't do that either, then someone in Russia needs to take this take this guy out because that's the only way this is going to end. Is if Vladimir Putin is gone, if he's gone, if we don't have to worry about him anymore, this war probably will stop. And make a change in the Kremlin, and fire all these other guys, Putin loyalists, and go ahead and, and um, have an actual free government, and treat these Putinites as extremists, because this is absolutely ridiculous. We cannot have an expansionist Russia, and as a matter of fact, any any expansionist nations, this should not be a expansionism should not be a policy of really any country. Really, I'm being honest here. I say this for about China too. Because, trust me, if this invasion of Ukraine actually goes through like Putin wants it to, and he subjugates the whole country, then then I'm sure Xi Jinping and the CCP are going to have their, eye peel, their eyeballs peeled on Taiwan. Yes, Taiwan noodle soup. 
They're going to sit there and eat it with their chopsticks. Like many cartoons I've seen. But I'm telling you, Xi Jinping's got his eyes on Taiwan. And the thing, but the thing about Taiwan is it's an island, guys. It's not like Ukraine where you can send the whole um, land force of the Chinese army in there to go ahead and eat Taiwan. You can't just do that. They'd have to, be, they'd have to surround it with their navy. And then they'd have to do like a, a D-Day kind of thing. They'd have to go ahead and storm the beaches of Taiwan and go ahead and try and take it all over. And then they'd have to go ahead and try and gain air superiority. Which might happen because, you know, Taiwan is not landlocked. It's not going to be that easy to send aid because if we try and send an aid, you know, by air, because that's going to be, or, or ship, that's going to be required. The Chinese Navy are just, the Chinese Navy and the Air Force are just going to totally destroy us. And if Taiwan gets evaded, it's going to be really pretty much up to them of whether or not they're going to live or die because the West cannot necessarily send aid over there because China has been repeatedly showing that it owns the South, the South China Sea and, you know, the Yellow Sea. So they've been showing that they own that, that, that um, China's um, ocean domains, pretty much. And they've pretty much claimed it for themselves. And, you know, anyone that should try and intervene in their expansionist um, idea, um, expansionist plans, will be annihilated by the Chinese Navy. Now, the Navy, I don't think in China, the Navy in China, I don't think, that, I, I certainly don't think that's their biggest force of the military, but they do have a, a, a ridiculously massive military. And the most decimating force that China has is not just the economy, but the Navy. Well, not well, not the navy, but the um, I'm sorry, the land forces, the army. That's the that's the largest force that China probably has right now. That's the lar- and let's let me remind you all, China's got one of the largest armies in the world, and so does Russia, you know, and and China's got many more um soldiers in reserve. You know, you go pull up on the Chinese army on you know on Google. You can see they got maybe like two, maybe three million soldiers and maybe two million more in reserve. They got a ridiculous amount of soldiers. I'm, I'm probably exaggerating, but they've got a lot. They've got at least two million soldiers in reserve and God knows how many else that they have active. The same with Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin's got an army of about two million guys and about uh, based off statistics that we've seen, don't know if it's true or not. We got about nine hundred thousand Russian um, military um, army for personnel fighting against the Ukrainians, which are ridiculously outnumbered by the Russians. And so these are two huge armies, and it would be terrifying to see these two armies combine forces and try and take Ukraine. And perhaps Russia might go ahead, and Putin might go hand in hand with Z, which was Xi Jinping. And go ahead and they both take Taiwan together. That would be ridiculous. And just outright crazy. And I certainly would I certainly would not want to see that. And you know that's a terrifying prospect. You know that you know they have two of the largest armies in the world. If they, if they, if they start tag teaming. And they start ganging up on all these guys. In these countries. Then. They they're they're gonna have a huge domain, and it's not gonna be very good for the West in the end. And then of course China is still 
going um trying to um set up economic um plans to try and um economically attack other countries and they're and they're going out there completely destroying entire and bankrupting entire companies because they hand them loans that they can't pay back. And then the Chinese roll in and they take over the company and buy it uh, and buy it out. China is getting extremely rich and we can obviously see that because I'm sure many of you Americans and other folks can pick up products in your house that have the made in China, the infamous made in China label on it. Many of our cars are made in China with Chinese parts on them. It's ridiculous, right? And but doesn't this tell you how rich China's getting? You see the NFL and Nike and Adidas that do business in China. You see all that? All our companies, they do business, they do foreign business with dictators and oppressive countries. With all with autocrat and with um with um totalitarian dictatorships and um and uh, that are run by a bunch of autocrats and dicta and um, fools. And these companies do um do deals with these guys when they come from countries that fight for freedom, Western countries, <laughs> and we're doing business with these guys that oppress their people and are working to are slowly are working out um slowly. But surely to destroy the West and ultimately take supremacy and take the wheel on the world order. And we're literally witnessing this the world order change before our very eyes. And we very well may see an end to NATO in the next few years. Should Russia succeed in taking out um Ukraine. Or we might we might not we might not see NATO dissolve, but it'll become significantly weaker. Same goes for the European Union. I believe Poland is a member of the EU and, you know, and many other countries that maybe Putin might desire to invade are members of the EU and NATO. And if Vladimir Putin really does um, um, up his A-game and take these countries out, this is going to significantly shrink NATO's territory and the EU. And it's going to knock a lot of, it's going to knock a lot of countries out of that, out of these um, organizations and it's going to um, put them into the fold of Russia. Or should I say the new Soviet Union, which I'm sure Putin is probably aiming to try and establish that quite literally in the next year or so. Because let me remind you guys again, 2022 is the 100th anniversary of the establishment of the Soviet Union. When they first established it with the documents and whatnot. And this is a, this is a big anniversary for Vlad. You know, and many people are calling him Vlad the, Vlad the Invader. He's earned that name. Of course, we all know that's a um, that, that's a joke on um, Vlad the Impaler. But sorry, buddy. But yeah, we stole your name, kind of. But yeah, and it seems like that's what Vladimir Putin's plan is: is to reestablish the Soviet Union. And of course, some people say the Russian Empire, which clearly he doesn't. He, he it's kind of a mix of Russian imperialism and Soviet-style ways of governing the place. You know, he's got a Soviet-style thing going on, kind of. You know, under the guise that we're a democracy, we can still vote. We have a Duma, which is kind of like our, our our Congress, and we hold elections and all that stuff. But but Putin has his cronies go ahead and rig the election for him so he can win. And then of course he has a lot of the um a lot of the he's got state-owned media and state and, and you know state-controlled law enforcement to. You know, bend to the Kremlin's will, or else you're gonna get fired, or we're gonna kill you. Send you to the gulag. I'm gonna send you to the gulag. <laughs> and that's how he does. That's how Vladimir Putin runs things. Russia 
you know, ever since Putin was elected president in 1999, you know, it's been under his grip, under an iron grip of Vladimir Putin for over 20 years. And, you know, once once Vladimir Putin got his third term, I already knew things weren't going to go too well for Russia. And then, you know, at that point, Vladimir Putin had pretty much effectively killed democracy in Russia, pretty much. You know, and from, from and, but really, in reality, from the get-go, when this guy first got in there, he had no intentions of letting democracy reign free in the country. He wanted to try and put, um, put the boot down on democracy in Russia and absolutely just strangle it to death. And this is what he's done so far. And he's worked with Russian oligarchs and tried to get them to align and bend to his interests so that way um, they can help him run the country that he, the way he wants to run it. Not giving the people much choice in what they want to vote and who they want to vote in and who they don't want in there. You know, free elections in Russia have been dead for so long now, I can't even tell, I can't even tell you how long. And really, you know, Vladimir Putin is really... Um, seems to have been longing for a return to the Soviet Union, and he kind of acts like he's, um, you know, against the communists. He acts like he laughs at them and loathes them, but it seems like he probably respects the way they used to govern, but they just, you know, he doesn't want it to go um, out of the democratic um, cover because, you know, that would provoke immediate hostility from the West and NATO if they reverted back to the old communist label. Which they technically they still govern like communists, except they've totally gotten except they've gotten rid of the whole you know let's ban the private property aspect of communism, and the whole um the whole um control the, the whole command economy thing, you know now Russia's got a mixed economy where it's you know it's kind of like you know hey we'll s sell this and sell that but oh we can't sell this, but. And then of course they all, and then of course Russia's economy also allows for oligarchs to make ridiculous amounts of money, which is exactly what communism is against: is um, you know rich businessmen who control everything and who control the government and have corrupt and you know the government is corrupt and all that stuff. <laughs> the bourgeoisie, as they call it, <laughs> in communist terms. And you know Vladimir Putin wiped out that aspect, but you know Putin governs a lot like a communist dictator. You know, the way he runs the country, he, he still sticks with the old suppression tactics of the Soviet Union. He hires cronies and businessmen to do his bidding and pays them and um, gets them to pay um, news corporations and, um, you know, to, run, to go like state media outlets and tell, tell the Kremlin's talking point and try and, um, you know, Pay pay the um, more resistant ones to either talk my point or we're gonna get you guys um killed or fired, and disband your news network, and that's what he's been doing lately, especially within the past two weeks of the end, the two and a half weeks of this invasion. He's been over. He's been out there. He's been out there banning, um, independent news sources and organizations. He's been out there. He's been out there banning independent journalists and doing all that things of that nature. Yes, Dad. So, I'm, I'm talking on the podcast. Can you pause that or something? Yeah, I can pause it once I'm done. Yeah, well, yeah I know. I'll be in there in a sec. Yeah, time to eat for me. But I'm going to go ahead and finish this real quick. The Pentagon announced it will not support a proposal from NATO ally Poland to send, to send MIG-29 planes to the Ukrainian military, referring to the move as high risk for escalating tensions with Russia. 
Pentagon Secretary, Press Secretary John Kirby told reporters that Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin spoke to Poland Defense Minister, um, forgive me if I pronounce this wrong, it's really hard to pronounce, um, Mar Mariusz um, Blazizak, I'm sorry, I can't say that right, on Wednesday about Russia's unprovoked aggression in Ukraine, offering appreciation for the country's acceptance of Ukrainians who are fleeing turmoil. During the conversation with his Polish counterpart, Austin, according to Kirby, made it clear that the U.S. does not support Poland's proposal to deliver MIG-29s to the Ukrainian military. Now, the, now, mind you, like I said earlier, MIG-29s are are for our old Soviet um, fighter jets, and we um, want to deliver these to them. But I also heard that they want to let them. We want to trade these um, for. And give them our old fighter jets so that way the Ukrainians can help fight off the Russians. The secretary also had a chance to discuss with Minister Blazkak the, the, the proposal to send MIG-29 fighter aircraft to Ukraine. And specifically, the notion of doing so by way of transfer to U.S. custody, Kirby said. Secretary Austin thanked the minister for Poland's willingness to continue to look for ways to assist Ukraine was stressed that we could not support the transfer of additional fighter aircraft to the Ukrainian Air Force at this time and therefore have no desire to see them in our custody either. Kirby said the Pentagon believes the best way to support Ukrainian defense is by providing them with the weapons and systems that they most need to defeat Russian aggression, in particular anti-armor and anti-air defense. Kirby said previous weapons sent to Ukraine from, from America and other nations are being used with great effect, which is very true. He said in a defense statement assessment showed that adding aircraft to the Ukrainian inventory is not likely to significantly change the effectiveness of the Ukrainian Air Force relative to Russian capabilities. Oh, really? Sure. Therefore, we believe the gains from transferring the, those MIG-29s are low, Kirby said. The intelligence community has assessed that the transfer of MG of MG MIG-29s may be mistaken. Sorry, that's my dad. Be mistaken as escalatory and could result in significantly significant Russian reaction that might increase the prospects of of a military escalation with NATO. Therefore, we also assess the MIG-29s to Ukraine to be high risk. The Pentagon's response to the matter comes one day after Poland surprised the U.S. by announcing it would send all MIG-29 warplanes to the U.S. Ramstein Air Base in Germany. The Pentagon pushed back on the move and said it raised concerns regarding the deployment of warplanes from a U.S. base in a NATO allied nation to combat Russian forces. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky on Wednesday pleaded with the U.S. and Poland to find a way to send his country MIG-29 warplanes as, as Russian forces continue to pummel Ukraine. We are grateful to Poland for its readiness to provide Ukraine with combat aircraft. The problem is in logistics. In fact, it is a technical issue. It must be solved immediately. Kirby warned during the briefing that America must be careful about every decision we make to ensure that we are making the potential for escalation worse. Now, as I said earlier, we have already sent military aid and financial aid to Ukraine to help them fight the Russians. Now, isn't that already an escalation to send the Ukrainians weapons to fight the Russians and money? Now, don't even, don't even mind the money, the weapons. And doesn't aircraft um, sound like a weapon to you? I think, I think so. I think 
it doesn't make much of a difference to send the Ukrainians aircraft. And now um, Ker um, Kirby is using a totally lame excuse by saying logistics say that we that this will not help much. So I'm like, so when are we going to quit playing chicken and we're going to actually make a move and do something about this? Because we're out here sending more aid. It's like, we look, we've already crossed the red line. We're already sending aid to the Ukrainians. We sent them weapons. We sent them javelin missiles and everything, everything else they need. We sent them money. We've given them loans to buy materials to fight the Ukrainians. I mean, I mean oh my god, why do I keep saying that? The Russians. So, I mean, we've already crossed the red line, guys. You know, we're already engaging in a proxy war against Russia to help defend Ukraine. And, you know, we're already there, guys. Like, why can't we send the aircraft to Ukraine? And why can't we send that, right? And they need all the help they need, guys. And we can't be making lame excuses like this. And I understand that Vladimir Putin is threatening to launch nukes to totally destroy the world if, if the West intervenes. But hey, the West has already technically intervened. Now, I get that he mentioned that if NATO or any of the allied countries were to intervene in this invasion, that you will face consequences the likes of which the world has never seen before. And, of course, many people say that he's implying to use nukes, which is very possible, given that Russia has the largest nuclear arsenal the world has ever seen since the Soviet Union. So, yeah, he very well could be threatening to use nukes, but we don't know what kind of nukes he'd use. He's got a whole selection of nukes. He's got a lot. And then to top that off, he's considered a master of poison. So we don't know who might fall ill. We don't know if he's going to try and poison Zelensky. He very well could. Zelensky himself has said that he's he, he's pretty sure that his days are numbered and that the Russians are going to come after him again. Like we have always said, this guy has faced multiple assassination attempts and he has survived because they've thwarted these Russian assassins and killed them and jailed them. But... The situation in Ukraine just continues to get worse, and I don't understand why we can't send these these jets to Ukraine, because this would benefit them a lot, and and it, I don't think phony logistics are going to really cut, cut, cut it as an excuse to not send these to them, because we're already sending them money and weapons, and in my opinion, we've already crossed the red line. We're already aiding the Ukrainians in a proxy war against the Russians to try and prevent them from taking over a country, which... If they take over Ukraine, this very well could mean that Putin will move beyond that and take over Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia, which are NATO nations, as well as maybe Poland. I don't know. Not too sure because Poland's a lot larger than Ukraine, I think. I'm not sure, is it? Anyway, I'll leave that right there for now. Now, DM me if you all have any questions or suggestions. Let me know what you guys think. And um, this has been John Day with, your weekday, with, your, with the Weekday Bugle. What's your news? And um, you all have a great evening and good night.